Well, I hope you enjoyed the message this morning. I, I guess really, I don't know if that was an enjoyable message or not. I think it was a needed message. I don't know if it's an enjoyable message, but a needed message. Tonight, we're going to see the difference. We talked about uh, a Wednesday night ago, we talked about the difference in teaching and preaching. And so tonight, you're going to see the difference. So this morning was preaching. Tonight's going to be teaching. And so Luke chapter chapter 3 in your Bibles, and I want to talk to you once again about this subject, the typology of the Holy Spirit. This is just, <clears throat> this is something we need to know. And, uh, and some, maybe you have ideas about this, others are not sure. So let's see if we can help, help you with that tonight. So uh, Luke 3, when you find your places tonight, if you're able to stand, let's all stand. We're just going to read two verses this evening. I'm not going to keep you long at all. We're not going to be lengthy. Um, but we are going to move along rather rapidly tonight, and we're going to use our Bibles quite a bit, and so just hang in there with us tonight, if you will. Luke chapter 3, we're going to read together tonight. We'll read verses 21 and 22 together, and then we'll have a prayer, and uh, we'll get started tonight. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Ready? Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus, also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. You may be seated tonight, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and uh, Lord, it's been such a good day today, and Lord, I don't know about anybody else, I've been encouraged, I've been helped today, I've been inspired, Lord, you have edified me today, and I'm thankful for that. I have been built up in the faith, and I believe others have. In fact, I know they have. Some have come to me personally, and they've told me how the day has helped them. And Lord, that's exciting. And so, Lord, thank you that we have one more opportunity tonight. This may be our last. Lord, it could be that we'll be in heaven by tomorrow. And uh, Lord, I, pr I pray tonight that you'll help us to, to be hungry for the word, to be thirsty for the word of God. Uh, Lord, we talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And so, Lord, would you do this, Holy Spirit, tonight? Would you make us thirsty to learn about you and to learn these important, important doctrines in the word of God? Lord, Baptist people should not be afraid of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. God, we ought to know what it's all about. And so I pray tonight that you'll teach us and I pray that Christ will receive glory and praise and honor from all that's done. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all the Lord's people said, amen. Well, we learned several things already. We learned, of course, that uh, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit, and we also learned last week that wind, or two weeks ago, rather, that wind is a type of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we want to talk about this subject. Why is the dove used as a type of the Holy Spirit. That's what we find there in Luke chapter three. And we notice in verse number 22, the Bible says in the Holy Ghost descending uh, or descended in a bodily shape like a dove. Notice the words, like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, thou art my beloved son in thee, I am well pleased. Now we're going to get to that here in just a moment, but I want to point out if I could two general lessons we learned from this passage before we get to our main point tonight that I thought were definitely worthy of our mentioning tonight. First of all, in this passage, we see the reason for Christ's baptism. 
Uh, we notice here the Lord Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter, in Luke chapter three. Now, I, I think it's important to point something out tonight, that Christ was not baptized to symbolize his repentance for sins. And the reason for that is because he didn't have any to repent of. <laughs> Our Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says it like this, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was not baptized to symbolize his repentance of sin. Now, you know, some would say, preacher, is that, is that worthy of mentioning? Oh, I think it's very worthy of mentioning, especially in the day and time in which we're living, where people are trying to tear down um, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're trying to make it where our young people believe that Jesus was just a man like you and a sinner like you and had the same thoughts and committed the same sins and was involved in the same kind of, uh, same kind of things that you're involved in. And I just want to tell you tonight, church, that that is absolute heresy. That's not true at all. Uh, we are sinners as we preached about that this morning. Jesus Christ was not. He was not a sinner. Somebody says, well, preacher, if that's the case, then why was he baptized? So I want you to understand tonight that by being baptized, and this is really beautiful, that being baptized, Christ was identifying with mankind. He was publicly saying with his baptism, I'm here to represent you. And aren't you glad tonight, church, that Jesus identifies with you? Aren't you glad about that? Um, our Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now again, this morning we concentrated on the depravity of man and we talked about how that all men are sinners. And I, but I want you to understand that, boy, there is a, there is a, a, a salve that goes with that message. And there is a balm in Gilead. And that's this, that although Jesus was not a sinner, he does understand the sinner. And he was tempted in all points like you and I were tempted, and yet he had no sin. And so he identifies tonight. You, you, you say, preacher, nobody knows. Yes, they do. Uh, somebody says, preacher, nobody knows how I'm feeling. Yes, they do. His name is Jesus. He knows. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows your temptations. He knows uh, your weakness. He was a 100% man, just like we are, but he was 100% God. And so, boy, thank God that, in his baptism, we, we see the Lord Jesus Christ identifying with you and me. And we thank the Lord for that. So first of all, the reason for Christ's baptism. But something else is definitely worthy of mentioning tonight. That's this. We see the reality of the triune God here in our scripture that we read tonight. The reality of the triune God. Now, look at it again. Luke 3, verse 21. Interesting. The Bible says, now, when all the people were baptized... It came to pass, notice this, that Jesus also being baptized, notice that phrase, and praying, the heaven was open, verse 22, and, and the Holy Ghost descended. Well, that's another important phrase. The Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, thou art my beloved son in thee, I am well pleased. And so Luke chapter three this scripture clearly teaches the, the, what we would call the Trinitarian nature of God, that he is one and yet 
He exists in, uh, in three co-equal persons. He is Father, He is Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. Now again, is that important? Well, it's very important. There is a, there is a new doctrine that's very trendy right now, uh, even among some evangelicals and charismatics, that's called modalism. And modalism basically says this, that God is only one. And he manifests himself in different ways. That he's not three, he's one, and just manifests himself in different ways at different times. I want to say tonight that that's contrary to scripture. Luke chapter three, in Luke chapter three, we see the father is not the son. And the son is not the spirit. In Luke chapter three, we notice here that Luke describes the actions of all three persons of the Godhead. And so he is one, and yet he is three distinct people of the Godhead. And you say, preacher, I can't, I can't quite, quite wrap my mind around that. I know. I know that part. <laughs> and you never will, by the way, until you get to heaven. And by the, way, by the way, what kind of God is it that you can figure completely out? And so some important lessons here. We see the reason for Christ's baptism and the reality of the triune God. But let's get into our subject tonight. Number three is we see the relationship between the Holy Spirit and a dove. Why is the Holy Spirit likened unto a dove? And this must be pretty important because we notice here it's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. In Luke chapter three, verse 22, we read that tonight. In Matthew chapter three, verse number 16. In Mark chapter one, verse number 10. And in John chapter one and verse number 32, all of those scriptures talk about how the Spirit of God descended from heaven like a dove. And so somebody says, preacher, why? Why does the Bible liken the Spirit of God to oil? And why does the Bible liken the Spirit of God to wind? And why is the Holy Spirit likened to a dove? The Bible says like a dove, by the way, like a dove. Why is that? Well, let me give you several thoughts tonight, and I think this will, uh, I think this will be a blessing. Number one, we notice here the dove is noted as a clean bird, a clean bird. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? There's a big difference between other birds and a dove. There's a big difference between a buzzard or a vulture. <laughs> we would call it a buzzard in Union Grove, wouldn't we? But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. There's a diff big difference between a vulture and a dove. How one is consumed with death and corruption while, while the dove has no interest in that death or that carry-on. Uh, and so one is a dirty bird and one is a clean bird. We know as we study our Bible that there are places in Scripture where birds actually represent evil. They represent demonic activity. Uh, let me just read this for you. Matthew 13, verse 3, is the parable of the seeds being sowed. And the Bible says this, and he spake many things unto them parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And then the Bible says this, and the fowls came and devoured them up. That is a picture of the powers of darkness. Uh, those birds are a picture of the powers of darkness. Revelation 18, verse 2, the Bible says, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Again, there's an idea that the Bible is using birds to illustrate evil. 
But I want you to understand this, that the dove is never used in that, in that retrospect. He's never used in that light. In fact, this is pretty neat. In fact, under the Mosaic law, if a family could not afford to bring a lamb, you know what they could bring? They could bring a dove. The Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 12, verse number six, just in case you're taking notes tonight, Luke, uh, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 12 and verse number six. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And so if they could not afford the lamb, then they were allowed to bring the dove. Now, he's a, a clean bird. The dove is a clean bird. It's one of the reasons that Christians ought to stay yielded to the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God majors in cleanliness. He majors in purity. Now, what does that mean, preacher? It means it is the job of the Holy Spirit to help you and I stay clean. It's the job of the Spirit of God to, you, to help you and I stay pure and to stay holy. Did you know tonight, Calvary, that the Spirit of God convicts the Christian of righteousness? Now, let me show that to you real quickly if I could. Take your Bibles and turn over to uh, John 16. John 16 and verse number eight. Here again, we're staying right with, with the, uh, the idea of the Holy Spirit tonight because in John 16, the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching his disciples about the Spirit of God. John 16, verse number eight, the Bible says, and when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. So the Holy Spirit reproves the world of sin. But then the Bible says, and of righteousness and of judgment. And so it's the Holy Spirit and that dove is, is a clean bird. The Spirit of God uh, uh, deals with cleanliness and purity. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to the Christian and convicts the Christian by using righteousness. In other words, the Spirit of God will come to you and say, you know what, righteousness does not conduct himself in that manner. Have you ever been in a situation, have you ever been in a situation where something spoke to you and you were like, I shouldn't be here. Or I shouldn't be doing this. Now it could be that everybody else was doing it, but there was something inside of you that said, Righteous people don't act like this. And righteous people don't hang around places like this. And righteous people don't conduct themselves like this. Now, you say, Pastor, what was that? It was the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit deals in cleanliness and purity and holiness. And, uh, and, he, and when, we, when you and I veer from the path and we begin to live in a certain way that we shouldn't be living, thank God we have a blessed Holy Spirit like that dove that comes to us and he deals with our heart concerning this thing of purity and keeping ourselves right before the Lord. And church, by the way, may I say this, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't ever ignore the working of the Spirit. If, if the Spirit of God comes to you and begins to convict you about something, listen, let go and let God have his way and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't ignore him. Don't ignore him. Now, he may not beat you over the head. We'll get into that in just a minute. But if the Spirit of God speaks to your heart and says, you know what, you shouldn't be talking like that, don't write that off. You know what you do? You say, Holy Spirit, I've never seen that before. 
But if that's what you, if that's what you want me to do, I'll change that. Lord, I, the Spirit of God comes and says, you ought not treat your wife like that. Now, you, now here's the thing, church. You may have never seen that before, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. You know what the Spirit of God is doing? He's convicting you of righteousness. And he's saying a righteous husband treats her wife this way and a righteous wife treats her husband this way and righteous teenagers act this way and righteous people talk this way and righteous people live like this way. And whatever you do, don't ignore the working of the Spirit. I heard about a lady and she was driving her car to work every day and one day she was driving her car to work. Her oil light, Brother Chris, you'll love this. Her oil light came on, oil indicator light came on. And she said, what in the world is that? So she pecked at her, at her dash, you know, the, where the light was, you know, trying to get it to go off, and it wouldn't go off. And so she, got, she got, almost got to work, and it, and it went off. She thought, well, I'm good. So the next day, she got in her car, and she's going to work. She cut, cranked up her car. That oil indicator light came back on, and she thought, that's the most aggravating thing. And she tapped on the dash, and it wouldn't go off. And Well, you know what? That went on for several days. And it just got on her nerve. And so she took some black tape and she tore off a piece of black tape and she just covered the oil indicator light up. How many believe that didn't work out too good? <laughs> and boy, it wasn't too long before all of a sudden she had to go home and tell her husband, honey, I don't know what's wrong, but the, but, but the motor don't sound right. It's, uh, there's something underneath the hood. It's knocking. It's not sounding right. Now, here's what I'm saying. She covered it up. It was trying to, it was trying to, uh, to tell her something that there's something that you need to do. There's an action that you need to take. And yet she covered it up. And yet a lot of times, you know what Christians do? We do the same thing. We may not use black tape, but, but we cover it up. And the Holy Spirit comes and he says, hey, you need to do this. You need to go here. You need to do this. You need to stay away from that. You need to avoid this, and yet we sort of cover it over. And so whatever you do, don't ignore the working of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he deals in cleanliness and purity and holiness. And so the dove is noted as a clean bird. I love this. I, mean, I, I just, I love the Bible. I just love this. Number two, we notice the dove is characterized by humility. Now, take your Bibles tonight and turn over to Song of Solomon chapter two. Song of Solomon chapter number two. Look at verse number 14, if you will. Song of Solomon chapter two and verse 14. Not only is the dove noted as a clean bird, but number two, the dove is characterized by humility. Song of Solomon 2, 14. Oh, my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice and thy countenance is comely. You see, the dove is characterized by humility. What's that mean, preacher? The dove is not known as an aggressive bird. Now, there are some birds like that, but the dove's not one of them. For instance, when we think about aggressive birds, you know what we think about, at least me, you know what we think about? We think about birds like eagles or falcons. And I'm going to be honest with you, man, you're talking about a neat study. Now, that's a neat study all in of itself. Anybody like eagles out there? Hey, that's a neat study. Listen to this. Did you know that experts tell us that an eagle can fly 130 miles a day? And sometimes its wingspan can reach upwards of seven feet. Seven feet. They weigh in at around 20 pounds. Their nests 
maybe as wide as eight feet, and sometimes an eagle's nest may weigh upwards of two tons. Two tons. And this, I couldn't believe. I had to go back and fact check it and fact check it because when I first read it, I thought, ain't no way. Did you know that eagles have a capability of flying almost 200 miles an hour? I thought, that, that cannot be true. And so I kept on researching it out and kept on researching it out and I kept finding the same answer. And, uh, well, I don't know about y'all, that's fast. Now, again, when you think about aggression, you think about aggressive, that's an eagle. I mean, it can just be there on the spot. It's fast, it's big, it's powerful. It's a threat. But what a contrast. The dove, on the other hand, weighs about four ounces. The dove doesn't even come close to flying as fast as an eagle. It, it wouldn't be considered as an aggressor. In fact, the dove, and you know this, the dove is very quiet and unassuming. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit will lead, will quietly lead you to serve Christ and make changes in your life? He is known as the still, small voice. 1 Kings 19, 12. The Bible says, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Now, what does that mean? What's that mean, preacher? It means that the Spirit of God's not gonna force you. He's not gonna force you to get right. He's not gonna force you to get right with somebody. He's not gonna force you to, to live for him. He's not, gonna, he's not gonna bend your arm behind your back. He's that still small voice. He, he's that one that's known of, uh, with humility. And, and church, listen to me. All the more reason that you and I must be yielded and tenderhearted to the spirit because he's not gonna come and, and force you to serve and force you to get in the ministry and he's not gonna force you to go to church. He's gonna be that still small voice that's gonna come to you and whisper in your ear and say, boy, you need to go. You need to be there today. I know you're having thoughts of staying out, but you need to be there. He's not gonna come in with a club and beat you up. He's not gonna come and drag you out and put you in the car and drive you to church. He doesn't, that, that, that's not what the, character, what the Holy Spirit's characterized by. He is characterized by humility. Hey, but, 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 I, but I can promise you this, if you're yielded to the Spirit of God, he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. And man, he'll teach you this blessed book and when you're not, when you're not where, you're need, where you need to be, he'll tell you about it. And boy, he'll be that ever-present help, you know. He'll whisper in your ear and say, you know, the Christian doesn't act like that. You know you shouldn't lose your temper like that. You know the child of God doesn't use words like that. Now, he's not gonna shout. He's not gonna sound a trumpet. Why? Because he's characterized by humility. And by the way, church, did you know the Christian that's filled with the Holy Spirit will take on the same attribute of humility. So why a dove, preacher? Because the dove's just known as a little humble bird. <laughs> it's not an eagle, it's not a falcon. The, the dove doesn't have big giant talons. You know, just whooshes down into the lake, picks up the big fish and flies off. Dove can't pick up a big fish, it doesn't have big talons. 
He's not aggressive. He's just humble, just a, just a humble bird. And the Christian that, that's filled with the Spirit of God will take on the same attribute of humility. Need some scripture on that? How about Galatians 5.22? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23, meekness, meekness. Temperance, against such there is no law. Meekness, the Greek word praotes, it means gentleness, humility. Gentleness. In other words, if we, if we are really filled with, with the Spirit of God, there's gonna be a gentleness about us. What's that mean, preacher? That means that person that walks around Calvary Baptist Church and acts like they're the head honcho. Doesn't mean they're spirit-filled. That one that, that continuously talks down to others or talks bad of others or that one that's continuously building themselves up or that one that acts like they can never do wrong or that one that's actively opposing what's going on in the church. Let me tell you, friend, that's a dead giveaway that they are everything but spirit-filled because spirit-filled Christians don't act like that. Spirit-filled Christians don't act like a falcon. They act like a dove. And so the dove, why a dove, preacher? Why a dove? Number one, the dove is noted as a clean bird. Number two, the dove is characterized by humility. Man, I love this. We're done. I told you we're gonna be fast tonight. Number three, look at this. The dove is a symbol of calm. Did you know the dove to this day is a well-known symbol of peace? Y'all remember the story in Genesis chapter eight where the, the Bible says the flood was on the earth? And the Bible says the ark had a window above. And the Bible tells us that Noah took a dove and he released that dove and the Bible says that dove came back with an olive leaf in her mouth and that olive leaf was a symbol, was a symbol that things are again peaceful on the earth. Again, the dove is a symbol of calm. Hey, church, did you know that there's actually a calming effect from hearing the cooing of a dove? It's not like anything else. Back in, uh, in fact, let me give you the scripture. Song of Solomon 2.12. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds has come. And the voice of the turtle or the turtle dove is heard in our land. Back in 2019, Miss Tame and I had the opportunity to visit Israel and uh, on a mission trip, we stayed in a, a little community called Peoria Elite, and it was just right outside of Tiberias. And, and uh, from, our, fr from the balcony there of the mission house, uh, if you look over here to the left, you could see the Sea of Galilee. And so there were several days while we were staying there in Israel that we decided to get up before sunrise, and we wanted to go out to the side of the hill there, and from the side of the hill, you could just see pretty much, you could see the Sea of Galilee almost in, almost in its entirety. And so several mornings, we got up early before the sun came up, and we would walk down to the hillside to look over the Sea of Galilee, see the sun come up. And you can ask Miss Tammy this, if there's one thing that's prevalent in Israel, it's definitely olive trees. They're everywhere. They grow wild. They're everywhere. But if there's something else that's prevalent in Israel, it's the dove. They're everywhere, church, I'm telling you. 
And as you walked, if we, as we walked from the mission house to this little lookout where we could see the Sea of Galilee, it was almost, it was almost like the only thing you could hear was the cooing of doves. And yet, it wasn't like the screeching of an owl or the clucking of a chicken or the quacking of a duck. You know what? It was a very soothing, it was a very soothing sound. And you say, preacher, okay, what's that got to do with me? So it is when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that gives us peace. It's the Holy Spirit, just like that dove, that speaks into our life and gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. That's why, that's why when we're going through troubles and tribulation, sometimes the world looks on and they say, man, how are you handling this so well? You know what it is? It's the Holy Ghost. That's what it is. Man, we have a loved one that passes away, and yes, we're sad, but at the same time, we're joyful, and there's smiles, and there's rejoicing, and there's uh, praising the Lord, and the world comes along, the world says, man, uh, we don't act like that. I mean, how do you have joy, and how do you, how do you have contentment? You know why? It's the Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit gives peace. He gives that calm. Have you ever wondered, Acts chapter 12, have you ever wondered how the apostle Peter was able to sleep? the night before he was supposed to be executed. It's what our Bible says. Acts chapter 12, verse five. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Somebody says, wow, preacher, how could Peter be sleeping and the next day, he's supposed to lose his head. You know how, church? The Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God's like that cooing of the dove. When it, when it doesn't make sense and it doesn't line up and when everybody else is, everybody else is spazzing out and everybody else is, is losing sleep and everybody else is, is all to pieces, the child of God has a peace. The past, it's all understanding. And the world looks on and says, man, I don't understand that. And you know what? They never will until they come to know Christ. And the Holy Spirit that gives that peace comes to live inside of them. Read an interesting story. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. On the night before his execution, Nicholas Ridley's brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber in case he needed assistance or he needed some kind of comfort. And the, the story says this, that Nicholas declined the offer and replied to his brother that, quote, he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life. He's gonna be burned at the stake the next day. And he said, I'm gonna go to sleep. And somebody says, preacher, how? How can he talk about sleeping and the next day they're gonna burn him to the stake? How? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives that peace that passeth all understanding. By the way, do you know that peace tonight? Do you have that peace? Well, I hope you do. If you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you, you ought to know what I'm talking about tonight. There is a peace that passeth all understanding. I'm telling you, the whole world can be falling apart around you. And yet, if you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you, man, oh man, there is a peace that is there. Well, aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? 
Hey, listen to this neat story. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. The contest stirred the imagination of artists everywhere. Many artists wanted a chance at winning the prize. Paintings from far and wide began to arrive. The king looked at all the pictures, uncovering one peaceful scene after another as the onlookers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew as only two pictures remained veiled. As the king pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. It was a picture of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for peaceful towering mountains all around it. Overhead was a beautiful blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. All who saw this picture thought it was the perfect picture of peace. Surely this picture was the winner. When at last the king uncovered the last remaining painting and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? This picture had mountains like the previous painting, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and in which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. The crowd could almost feel its cold and penetrating spray. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked closely, he saw a little bird had built a nest in the cleft of the rock. And yet there in the midst of the rush of the angry water, undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones. She manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. Now, some of you in the back, you can't see it, so I blew it up for you just a little bit. That's the picture. With all the turbulence and commotion and lightning and thunder, way back there in the cleft of that rock is a little bird, and she's in perfect peace. Now, why that illustration, preacher? That's you and me. <laughs> That's you and me. The whole world's falling apart. We didn't have that red wave we're expecting or some of some we're expecting. You know, and people say, preacher, what are we gonna do? I mean, things are falling apart. And the world's going to pot. I mean, it's just, it's just a mess and the whole world's just in commotion. And yet, we come to a place every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night and people are shouting and praising the Lord and rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord and people say, man, what is, y- what, what is y'all's deal? You know what our deal is? The Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Spirit gives that calm and gives that peace that passeth all understanding. <laughs> How many are glad for the Holy Spirit tonight? Amen. Boy, I sure am. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for giving us of the Holy Spirit Oh, Lord, thank you. Father, what a joy to know that that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, that Holy Spirit that helps us concerning our cleanliness, our purity, 
Lord, that convicts us of righteousness and holiness. And Lord, that Holy Spirit that leads us in humility and gentleness, not hostility, not aggression. And Lord, that same Holy Spirit that gives us a peace, a sweet peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, how can Christians in the world we're living in today, how can Christians say everything's gonna be okay? And Lord, the reason we can say that is because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Father, maybe there's somebody here tonight that needs to yield themselves a little bit more to the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's someone here tonight that's not as yielded to the Spirit of God as they should be. And tonight, Lord, they need to to change that. And Lord, tonight, they would not put the, the piece of tape over the indicator light, but Lord, tonight, maybe you'd give us some Christians who would say, oh, Holy Spirit, help me to be sensitive. Help me to be yielded. Help me to be open to your working. God, have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed. Let's all stand all over the house tonight, if you would. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question or two? How many are here tonight who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that between you and the Lord, tonight you just slip your hand up. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. Is there anybody here tonight though? Anybody? And you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure about heaven. I'm not sure that I am saved. And I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? You just raise your hand, wave, sort of wave it at me. Let me pray for you tonight. Is there one anywhere that I could pray for tonight? Okay. How about this? I wonder if there might be somebody here tonight would say, Preacher, I am saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But I don't seem to have that peace that you're talking about. But I want it, Pastor. I want that peace that passeth all understanding. Preacher, would you pray with me about that? And right now, very quietly, with nobody looking around, you just slip your hand up right now. You'd say, Preacher, would you help me pray about that? I want that peace that passeth all understanding. Can I pray with you tonight? Can I pray with you? So we're gonna, we're gonna have a few minutes of an invitation tonight. If you're, need, if you're here and you need to come for any reason at all, listen, the altar will be open. I'm gonna make my way here to the main floor and, and if we can help you or pray with you, we'll be glad to do that tonight. So Father, have your way in this invitation. Lord, speak to hearts tonight. Lord, I pray that, I pray the message made sense. Father, thank you for these types of the Spirit of God. And there's a reason that the Bible uses these symbols for the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for giving us that peace that passeth all understanding. Have your way in this invitation. And Father, we thank you and praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. If, we're, if we can pray with you, we're here. You come tonight while we wait.
Hey, church, you can look up this way tonight. Well, I thank